0: I'm attorney Kevin Johnson
1: and I'm attorney Barry Boykin. Welcome to episode 28, part two of Dynamite Divorce and Other Matters.
0: There is a lot to know about this subject of JLs and child rep. When does this come up? Well, in Illinois, in Chicago, parents don't agree on custody or divorce, about where the child should live, parenting time, sometimes medical care. So often they're sent to mediation to sit down with a counselor in a room, try to work out their differences, they can't. Next comes the child rep or GAL. Before we go further,
1: this podcast is no substitute for the specific legal advice you will get by consulting one-on-one with a licensed attorney in your state or country. We hope that before taking any action that might change your life or your financial situation, and before making decisions that might significantly affect your children and the people around you, You do find and meet with a licensed attorney.
0: Now, on with on with the show. I thought if it's okay, we'd talk about what happens when you hear someone else giving their opinion about you. It may be informally in the hallway. It may come in the form of a written report. All of a sudden, you're being evaluated, and you're going to hear about it through a GAL's words, a child's representative's words. You might hear it spoken in court. It's not going so well how do you, What do you do to try to turn it around
2: So I would say, talk to them, try and find out what it is that they don't like about you. Try and find out perhaps what you can do to to rectify the situation I'm thinking of I had a case where um, it involved uh, phone calls. My client lived out of state, and so his parent at time was. Um, not quite as frequent as it would have been, obviously, if he, if he was in the state. So a lot of it was via phone calls. And um, there were difficulties with his phone calls. There were accusations about him not being available to take the phone calls, when he was available, not being engaged in the phone calls, all kinds of complaints coming from the mom about what, what dad was or was not doing. So um, I advised him, obviously, make sure that you're available for the phone calls if there's a certain time that has been selected pursuant to the order, be there, drop everything. I mean, I literally told him, you know, stop everything, make sure your schedule is cleared, be available, and and be engaged. Now, mind you, what I will say is the child's rep had also kind of, you know, suggested to him that he might want to do that. So sometimes they need to hear it from us that this is what – because, again, it's, you know, pretty much whatever the child's rep says It's going to carry a lot of weight with the judge. And so if the child's rep isn't happy about it, and it's reasonable, because that's the other thing. Sometimes child's reps may suggest things which, in my opinion, aren't reasonable. Um, And so then I will, you know, I I will question that. But when it's reasonable things that the child's rep is suggesting, then I will suggest that my client rectify it, you know, follow what they're saying, because ultimately, you want the child's rep on your side you really don't want to have a child's rep who's saying things that aren't going to bode well with you in court. Although that being said, and maybe we'll get to this later on, it is possible that a child's rep can make suggestions that ultimately a judge may not agree with.
0: So you said that sometimes the suggestions coming from a child's rep that attorney for the child could be unreasonable. Can you remember any times where they gave unreasonable suggestions?
2: I think um, in this case, my client was a police officer. And so they wanted the times that they were trying to schedule the phone calls were not really taken into account his schedule because as a police officer, he had like one of those rotating kind of shifts. And so it wasn't really taken into account this kind of schedule. (coughs) And so in my opinion, that wasn't unreasonable. And so I had to have after talking to my client and relaying this is what the child's rep is saying, what's the issue here, and then being told by my client, this is the issue, this is what's going on uh, with my schedule, this is what, you know, I can't always get to the phone, um, you know, when it goes because I'm doing X, Y, and Z. So I'm then going back to the child's rep and them know this is what's going on in this particular case. Yes, ordinarily, they would be able to be available at a certain time, but, They can't because of X, Y, Z. And so there needs to be adjustments made. And guess what? If the child's rep doesn't want to do that, then we'll talk about it with the judge.
0: I have a problem with phone calls sometimes because, for example, if it's a keep away case, as I call it, where one parent has taken it upon him or herself to, you know, the child just doesn't want to spend time with the other parent. I don't know what it is, you know. And, And then the other parent, the absent parent, tries to, you know, and they say, well, and he doesn't even call. He doesn't even call. Well, wait, you're keeping the child away physically by canceling weekends and, 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 and doorstep refusals, I call it, where they come to the door and, and they get the child to say, well, I don't want to go. Because in the background, it's like, go tell your dad you don't want to go and then we'll have ice cream. Whatever they're doing. Then, you know, doorstep refusals or, or canceling weekends. And then they say, he's not even calling. He's not even calling. You know, And they do it. It's kind of a whipsaw thing. You know, like the, the household is so hostile that the absent parent doesn't want to call into it to be heard on speakerphone. You know, how are you, Cindy? Fine. Everything all right? Yes. You know, and, and it's so much of a hostage call. They don't really want to put the child through that. And yet then they get dinged for not caring because they're not calling by the very same parent who's denying all their <laughs> parenting time. But I've had a child rep not get it. They're like, well, but he's not even calling. Like you know what they're doing, (laughs) you know what I mean. So they're not. What are you talking about?
1: I'm reflecting on. uh, There have been cases where I've been in court, and a parent has been at odds with the child rep, and and this is always a dangerous situation. And it happens with quite often with pro se litigants because they don't really understand what the role of the child rep is. Right. And and so, so there's that important first meeting, perhaps. And the parent does not come on time or, 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 right. or doesn't come to the interview at all. And the child rep has waited, tries to set up other appointments or interviews. And then months later, there are fights about the bill. So I've had judges then. Uh, fights about the what? The, 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 the child rep's bill.
0: Oh, no. the bill. Okay, the paying the yeah. child rep. And one person says, it's, well, what are they doing? I never talked to them at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it,
1: it, the child is always talking to the other parent, not talking to me. So, <laughs> but you missed all the appointments. <laughs> and, and 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 sometimes there's been such hostility that, that I've had a uh, I've seen a judge or two that that have uh, there have been times where parents have been held in contempt, but quite often for the uh, they'll refuse to pay the bill. They say, "Well, that child rev's not doing anything for me." I'm not going to pay them a dollar. You know, it, it, you know they, they owe like $2,000. I'm not going to pay them a dollar.
2: You know.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, As a JL and child rep, I like, you know, often it find, you find yourself in my role, I find myself sometimes having to side with one parent. Their concerns are well founded. It does seem like they have a reasonable concern. Of course, the other parents like, what? You're on their side. I I'm, uh, imagine that judges have this situation too, where if you don't agree with somebody, well, then you're wrong. You're biased. You mean, how can you know? So, yes, I I understand that there can be a lot of hostility. How about this? Just ask the judge to appoint someone new. Well, just get rid of that child rep. Get rid of that GAL. Get someone new. How about that? Let's do it. Someone's a side with you. Finally. (laughs) What are the chances of changing the child rep or GAL if they're against you?
2: I'd say slim to none, but hey. (laughs)
0: I agree <laughs> Why, because that's par for the course. They're not going to agree with some of the parents, right? So the judge is not going to see that as a as a reason to get rid of them. I walk into sometimes cases where you know the person coming to hire me, I'm not the JL in that case, but somebody else is, and the parent is already feeling all the negativity flowing, and they don't like this person. And then I say, well, the first thing we've got to do is try to make friends with the JL. What? They've got to like you more than they do now. We have to somehow turn this around. Any ideas how to do it? They don't see you as the loving, caring mother that you are. You know, they're starting to think the other side is right. But I don't see getting rid of the GAL or child rep as a viable option when I walk into those bad situations.
1: I'm going to tack on to what Kevin is saying is that one way, of course, to make friends with the GAL is to recognize that they've got a bill. and. Yes. and and make a deal early on in the case yes. and say, well, I'm sorry, uh, I, I don't have two thousand dollars right now, you know, but I I, I give you five hundred now, and how about if we have a plan yes. where you you give me, I'll give you two hundred every month, but the position that the parent takes that says I'm not going to pay you nothing, and you haven't done anything for me and my kid, my kid tries to call you every day and you never pick up the phone, and uh, what you what are you doing? What are you doing? So that. <laughs> that's not getting it that's not you know, I, I mean the child rep tries to be objective and say well I'm, I'm not going to hold that against the parent but this parent's giving me a really hard time you know and, and plus let me add let me add to this and that is that at the courthouse almost in every case I have in fact I had a case at the beginning of this week where the uh, attorney for the mom attorney for dad child rep are there uh the spotlight immediately comes on the child rep. And the judge focuses and says, okay, what report do you have uh, about this family? So the judge doesn't want to hear from the the attorneys from the parents or from the parents. The judge initially wants to hear from the expert who's been appointed to get to the best interest and say, what what good news do you have for me Mm -hmm. about what's going on with this family? And that's almost without fail. So then to try to dump garbage on the child rep after that,
0: it, it's going to be tough to do that. <laughs> yes. And and you know what? Objectively, professionally, it shouldn't make a difference. But I think it does. If if one party's paying the bill, no questions asked, and the other party, just nothing. There's silence on the bill. They don't pay anything. It's tough for that. I, it shouldn't matter. But I just think somehow it, it does hurt the image of the parent in the, in the eyes of the child rep or the GAL. So I thought you're absolutely brilliant. Yes. Just make a payment plan, explain your circumstances, say, look, I'll pay you reliably and then pay reliably, whatever you decide, mm-hmm. $200 a month on the 10th of the month and click, click, click. Because a lot of these people are running a small business, small law firm. They may even be solo. And yeah. I say, two, if I get $200 a month reliably, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Because so many people in family law don't pay the last of their bills. How many times, <laughs> how many times are you exiting a case, work done, divorce finished, and they still owe you $1,500? I can't endless amounts of those, right? So these child reps, if you can get paid some steady money, I think they're going to overlook the fact that you were ordered to pay $2,000 immediately, and they'll make a deal. I really think so. I think that's a, a great idea.
2: And you know, the judges are very protective of child's rep and GALs and their fees. I almost feel like they become more upset about the child's rep and the GALs not getting paid than us, the ones who represent the parties, because yes. as you said at the beginning of the show, the child's rep and the GAL are the eyes and ears of the court. So if you don't pay the child's rep and the GAL, it's kind of like you're this in the courts, disrespecting the court. So pay something. I mean, I would almost say if you pay 50 bucks on the 10th of the month, every every month, that's better than, oh, I'm not going to pay anything for months and months. At least you're showing, I get it. I've got to pay something and I'm going to pay it. Not ignoring the bill. You want to make yourself look good before the judge. <laughs> make yourself look good before the judge.
0: And And keep that subject from being brought up in front of the judge in court. <laughs> that way. Maybe the subject of your being behind on your payments won't be brought up. And I say, "How's it going there, J.L.?" The judge says, "You know, well, the first thing on their mind is, well, one party's paid me in full, Your Honor, but the other party hasn't (laughs) paid a dime." You can imagine that's not going to please the judge, and they're going to look at that person with hard eyes. Like you claim to be a responsible person, you're you're not following the court order. I'm sure you know that. I think it's all been our experience that when judges learn. That their court orders are not being followed. They take umbrage. They don't like that. Because, you know, then yeah. I mean, what, what are they doing there? Sitting there in their robe, wasting everybody's time. Look, the court orders are to be followed, they'll say to people. This is not debatable. This is a court order. And uh we have varying levels of outrage from judges, but that that <laughs> does get, get their ire up. <laughs> so well, we have about 10 minutes left. We've uh, told our listeners what a jail is. They can Google Section 506 of the Illinois Marriage Act to read about the different roles of these uh, professionals. There was one thing I thought, and I wish it was talked about more in these cases, but there is a section in Section 506 of the Marriage Act that haunts me, and I'll read it verbatim. I'll just read it. In no event is this section intended to or designated to abrogate the decision-making power of the trier of fact. Any appointment made under this section is not intended to, nor should it serve to place any appointed individual in the role of a surrogate judge. Now, that's legalese, but it's not, they're not to be a judge. And so it, it, the judge can't ignore what the GL says. But if you try to tell a GAL or a child, well, you're not a judge, look at the law, you know, Oh, but that's not going to go. But it's, it's, it's they're not technically a judge, but try to see it that way because they are going to be a big factor in deciding your case. Um, but when I've had to butt heads with a GAL or child rep, it's it's not fun because they are so powerful in the case. And I, I take that power seriously. When I'm appointed as a GAL or child's rep, I understand from the litigant side. Misunderstandings can happen. People can get painted in a bad light. Um, I may walk into a situation where there's an order of protection. Someone is convinced to judge that the other parent's abusive. Well, I may have to take that with a grain of salt because, look at the atmosphere. It's a cut fight over custody, right? So try to be open-minded. But, um, so um, any any anything else that the civilians, the non-attorney listeners, should know about the strange corner of the law. Sorry?
2: I was just going to say, if I could just intercede, I think one of the major, a major factor is the selection of the GAL and the child's rep, because I know early on in my career, I always felt felt, that it was up to the judge, and I had no say-so. But as (laughs) I became older and wiser, I realized, well, actually, I might be able to have some sway as to who gets selected to be the GAL or the child's rep in my case. And if that's the case, okay, let me have a few people in mind depending on each case. So now this is going to sound really controversial. I know we, we don't have a whole lot of time, but <laughs> if I happen to have an African-American client, I may feel like I would like to have an African-American GAL or child's rep. If I happen to have a male client, I may feel that I might want to have a male child's rep or GAL, especially if obviously I'm a female, if the judge is a female, if the other side is a female, I may feel that my client feel may feel like he's outnumbered. Yeah. And so having a male child's rep, he may feel like it's a little more even for him. So I think the selection of a GAL is very important. But I don't know how much your listeners would be able to, if they're pro se would be able to have a sway as far as, you know, choosing a child's rep. But if they have a lawyer, they may want to suggest that to their lawyer before a child's rep is appointed. All right, jump in there.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. So, so I have heard rumors that some some counties in Illinois are using a random list. They're just picking names off a random list, which we don't do in downtown Chicago. No way. It's all the judge knows a few people. They are confident. They, they have people that, you know, the go-to people. And uh, anyway, the idea that, you know, matching cultures, uh, matching as, as ethnicities, not crazy. Because I'll agree. I had a case not too long ago where, you know, it feel like it's out. I'm the only I have a male client and I'm the male attorney. And yeah, you female judge, female child's rep, female other attorney. And it shouldn't matter, but the guy, yes, can feel outnumbered. And does anyone understand what a father feels like? Or is it, you know, so yeah, just for appearance sake, it does does make a difference. And there can be language issues too. If someone um uh, you know is has a, a native language, not English. But uh, for my clients, they have to be able to at least communicate somewhat in English. I don't have a second language, a little Japan little Japanese, that's about it. But um Barry, uh any closing ideas in our you know, final few minutes here that civilians should know when before they they get mo- run over like a truck in this uh child rap JL world here.
1: Well, one thing we haven't talked very much about, but I think is a pretty important point is the uh, relationship of the, the children to the child rep or GAL. And so the questions the child may have and how how does that relationship of, of a trust and rapport occur with the with the children in the case? Uh the child may have some questions saying, Well, is that my lawyer? can I call him or her anytime? And and what if I'm bullied at school? Can I talk about that with the child rep? And, and different children, are, of course, going to have a different take on the thing. And they're going to maybe reflect what their parent is feeling.
0: But you're not talking to the child about this. What, you're having your client sort of brief the child and what to expect? Or?
1: No, no. I, I'm just saying, and, and here it's really kind of more of a, I'm looking at the relationship between, uh, you know, as you, Kevin, have talked about that first interview. So that first interview where, the child is meeting for the first time, and, and may be nervous. Mm-hmm. And, and I think part of the things we're, we're gauging are some of those nonverbal <clears> cues. <throat> in other words, so what, what does the child rep do to put the child at ease? And what does the child rep do to find out about the, like you said, Kevin, the child's interests and activities and and so forth from the child in this discussion? I, I think we have to be, you know, how do we get child focused? So that the child can feel comfortable with this stranger, well who let's may be say, asking them some right some very well, intimate
0: details, well, let's say your client is going to be transporting the child. Let's consider the real world you know without zoom. I mean, now might be on zoom, but let's say yeah. it's it's going to be arranged. your client will make the overture and make sure that the child is there on zoom or in person so should, what how does that how does what should the client say to the child if anything because one of my questions, if I'm a child rep or GL, I'm gonna ask about coaching. I'm gonna say something like, you know, have you told me everything you're supposed to say <laughs> you know that simple question have you told me everything you're supposed to say? yeah you know? because to get at whether they've there's things they're supposed to say, you know and you don't want to coach the child your client should not I mean you civilians, our listeners here, Yeah you can pump your child with now remember to say I had a case and they they went to the JL. JL told us this. This GL is now a judge and she's good at it. But then it was long time ago. Dad's number one, mom's number two. The child came in with slogans like that. (laughs) It's like dad's number one, mom's number two. I had to mom. We heard this. It's like, what? You know, so don't give the child a lot of talking points to bring in, right? Would you agree? Yeah. What should actually? Do I'd,
1: I'd say no talking points. I mean, you don't. Know, <laughs> right. Uh, that that would be that would be bad.
0: Right. So, right. but they're going. So, who is this person? You're going to connect them up with. Okay, say our civilian listeners, our parents, and now their child. It, it's a stressful situation. The child is now going to be interviewed by an attorney. What should the parents say? Who is this person? This is a nice man. Be nice to him. I mean, or this lady is going to be interviewing you, try to be nice. I mean, what, what do they even say?
1: Well, it depends on the age of the child, I think, to some extent. And then you've you got the whole spectrum of, you know, on the one hand, the child who says, I don't want to. I, I don't want to be there. I don't want to go to to meet this person. It, to the child who's saying, oh, I'm, I'm eager to meet this person. And, uh, you know, I, I want to talk about with somebody all these pressures I'm feeling because my parents are fighting all the time. I really would like to talk to somebody. And so you've got those two, those two different types of kids. And I I know you've seen that Kevin where there there are kids who are more (laughs) eager.
0: Yeah. And those who are not. (laughs) Don't, don't have your child write their whole story on a piece of paper to read. (laughs) Well, now if you, if you write down your feelings, it might help you remember. And I've seen letters unfolded oh. during those meetings oh. and, and also during meetings with reunification and with counselors and stuff. They come with a, you know, and it's in the child's handwriting, but obviously has a lot of stuff. I don't want any or over- overnights with you, dad, yeah. <laughs> you know, written in the child's handwriting. But, you know, obviously they had a session with the other parent, right? Yeah.
1: Um, Let, letter to dad. Why did you show up drunk last Saturday? <laughs>
0: Why, why why do you make me spend time with Betsy, his new (laughs) new girlfriend? I, you know, well, um, well, it seems that we've come to the end of our time for this two part episode twenty eight, and I'm very happy that we had Modupe Sobo and the time here. I feel like there's a lot more we could say about this subject, and it's it's a dark, shadowy world of JLS and child's reps, and few want to venture here, but. When a dispute rises to the level where such a professional is needed, hopefully listening today, our listeners can gain some insight. There's no easy way to approach it. We're all human beings trying our best to get to the truth. In all things like this, it's better to be calm, respectful, and watch your words and, and say what you really want to say. Getting out of control and foaming at the mouth and and just on a some sort of angry rant doesn't serve anybody very well. I know when I get start getting angry and start saying stuff, I could even say something I don't mean or comes off wrong. So if anything, tell the truth. I think we'd all agree that once you lie or prevaricate to the child rep and they find out that you've misrepresented something, it doesn't go well. And um, okay. One, one more story, one more story before I forget. Okay. I had a client who came to me and said, here's the problem. I'm getting along great with my daughter. The last two years." She's been living with me. Dad's not really involved. He's just causing trouble around the edges. You know, it's all me and my daughter. We're getting along great and everything. And child representative came in and interviewed her and talked with her and talked with the daughter, teenager. And I got an earful from the child rep because I had told him, oh, I think they get along pretty well. You know, it's dad really kind of broiling ro- the waters and stuff, but it's really mom and daughter get along fine. And the child rep was like, mom and daughter have a toxic relationship. He just about yelled at me, like, kind of like, I I can't believe I've been misled this much by the mom, you know, mom had told him things. And then he found out from daughter, it was not true. And he was just looking shell-shocked at how much mom had misled him. And that didn't go well from there. Okay. So if you think, well, you know, if I say it a certain way, or (laughs) if I don't tell him about this, it's better to tell the truth and then to say why. Yes, I was convicted of shoplifting five years ago, but I was much younger then. And I understand now we can't take a candy bar from 7-Eleven, whatever, you know, don't hide from the truth, try to use it and tell why you've learned from it. Yes, I have five DUIs in the past. I know that was really a bad time in my life, but I've been in recovery for two years and, and I don't drive anymore. I only take the subway. You better face up to whatever you know is coming and not try to conceal it. Would you agree?
2: Definitely. I always tell my clients, be truthful. <laughs>
0: if, if, it, yes, if they find it, they're going to find it out and then it will come back to haunt you. So be ready with the truth. Um, thank you very much, uh, Dupe, for being here with us and spending this time. And we uh, appreciate that we were able to put you on the hot seat to talk about a controversial <laughs> issue. And uh, so we'll bring this to a close this episode 28. I'm attorney Kevin Johnson.
1: I'm attorney Barry Boykin.
0: I'm attorney would pay Servo. And we'll see you at our next episode. Thank you very much.